Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from New York City, just in from Philadelphia, where he was at the Sixers preseason finale on Wednesday night, is Tim Monteps. How you doing, guys? Doing just fine. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, before he heads out on the road to start the season, is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Hey, did you guys hear there's a YouTube sensation by that same name, Howdy Partners? Check it out on the uh, ESPN NBA channel. Look at this guy. This guy's not going to be on our pod soon. Just, be, just, a, just, just a trying little to get off of, doing his thing. A little, hey, I'm a self-promotional podcast slash YouTube guy. And speaking of which, did you, you could have stopped? You could have stopped at self-promotional. <laughs> could have stopped at self-promotional. Yeah. Uh, or the- Draymond's vacation, I mean. We're beginning, I went back and looked, we are beginning the sixth season of the Hoop Collective. Yes. Um, it was called the True Hoop Podcast before the Hoop Collective, but I, it was sort of a clean break there. We sort of retrofitted it, but this is the sixth season. Um, how long have I been dealing with you jokers? Like, Long yeah. enough. Yeah. Long enough. Uh, Listen, Thank we got we got to break off and do our own thing to get our names on the damn uh, on the label. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Speak to your agent about that. Um, You're talking to him unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> what about your technical director? Does she also uh, double as your agent? She she has some ideas. She has some ideas. <laughs> I bet she does. Have you and the um, dog on a pod, it'll be all good. <laughs> yeah, uh, people right. are used to I hearing still, you bark. One of the great things of the offseason, uh, McMahon goes to Europe to do this reporting trip. <laughs> this is the third straight off. week you brought this up. I, I don't care. This. It's a great story. I, it's going to it's gonna come up care. another 33 straight weeks, I think, in some form, <laughs> pal. You just got to deal with it. Um, love it. Uh, okay, so McMahon, you're getting ready. I think you're headed to Phoenix for opening night. Mavs, Suns. Little, little Mavs, right? Suns. Game 7 rematch. I mean... You know, good vibes in, in in the Valley of the Sun. Everything going well there. Looking forward to seeing that. Well, DeAndre Ayton has given a new interview to the via the uh, Arizona Republic and said everything's back to normal. Oh, he's Don't actually talking to his coach. Hey, all is good. Yeah. <laughs> all is everything's, good. Everything's back to normal. All the players are yelling uh, at back at, at uh, DeAndre. That's what. That's how they normally. I believe in the headline. It's. I believe in the headline. The quote was, "We talk, man." Which is like, oh, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> Woo, I'm glad to hear that the, that the coach and his starting <laughs> right. center actually speak. That's good. Good. Well, the starting center said that they hadn't spoken. So it's it also was, true. Um, so later on today, after we record this, um, Steph Curry and Draymond Green are uh, expected to uh, speak to the media for the first time since. I don't know if you want to say the Draymond situation in Golden State was settled. I don't know if that's the word you want to use. Um, I have, um, I know this has been talked about a lot um, in the last week. I've got a, I'm in a, a bit of a head scratching comment on this um, because, or a head scratching moment. I don't understand how this went from, I'll just use Bob Myers quote from when he first talked about this Before the video was leaked, but here is what he said. These things happen. Nobody likes it. We don't condone it, but it happens. It'll take some time to move through, but we'll move through it and move forward. And I'm confident that we will. And this is 
what I want to point out. Again, Bob Myers, words out of his mouth. A guy I respect a lot, not his first year on the job. This isn't the fir- our first thing that's happened, our first sense of adversity. Okay, that's what Bob Myers said. The video comes out, and granted, it is a extreme, you know, blow that Draymond hits Jordan Poole with. Well, and it, it also was clear that Draymond was bullying, and Draymond was, you know, basically picked a fight. It wasn't some. Well, you know. again, I'm going to refer to what Bob Myers said. I don't have this quote directly in front of me. I didn't pull this one, but Bob Myers said that it was practice talk. It was talk about, you know, my team's beating your team and you called a foul or whatever. It wasn't about contracts, that it was just typical practice banter. Again, this is what Bob Myers said. Okay. To my knowledge, the, you know, maybe the Warriors players didn't see it actually happen. They, you know, maybe Steph Curry and Iguodala and Kevon Looney didn't actually see the punch in, in real time. Mm-hmm. But they do, they did have the video, right? Like the Warriors did possess the video. Like um, it didn't surprise them. I don't think it should have, at least. Like they, I assume, went back and watched what happened. I'm not saying every player did, but like when Bob Myers spoke to that and Steve Kerr spoke to that, is it fair to assume that they had seen the, the video, the practice video? Bond temps are muted, which is glorious. Oh, so as, as your how, lips are flapping, how, we can't yeah, hear you. This go. is a great moment in the hoop collective. There history. you go. <laughs> Given how fast Bob Myers rushed in, I think it's safe to say that uh, that he was he saw it in real time. I don't know who else who else. I'm saw talking it. about. I'm talking about when Bob Myers when they all spoke. No, I, my, my point is whether anybody went and watched it or not. Bob Myers was like the first yeah. guy in there to split those guys up, so he okay. saw it all happen in real time, right. even and, if everybody and, else didn't. And and look, they were clearly in damage control mode. They obviously did not anticipate that video leaking to TMZ, and they were not under oath. It ain't okay, their job to tell the truth. It's so, their job okay. to protect their franchise. Fair, fair. Now, now we have advanced to Steve Kerr a couple of days ago saying, quote, this is the biggest crisis we've had since I've been the coach here. And that this is a mouthful. That, that was a mouthful. Full. When you consider the stuff that went down, you know, Draymond got suspended for the little tiff with KD, KD's departure, Clay's injuries, uh, you know, some of Steph's injuries, like the biggest crisis that they've had. That is a lot to say. So I, I'm sorry, I don't understand how it goes from these things happen. Nobody likes it. We don't condone it, but it happens. It isn't our first thing that's happened. Uh, the first sense of adversity to this is the biggest crisis we've had since I've been the coach here. This was does the re- the release of the video seems to be the crisis mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be Draymond punching Jordan Poole. The crisis to me seems to be the video getting public and them having to then deal with the fallout of the video getting public. So I ask you, Tim Bontemps, as somebody who spent more time around the Warriors than myself or Mr. McMahon, why is all of a sudden it the biggest crisis they've had? Well, I think if you look at what Steve said, right, if you to McMahon's point, if you go back to last week, clearly what the Warriors were trying to do when Bob Meyer sat up there was to 
minimize and move on, right? Mm -hmm. They, over the past decade, have made it clear that Draymond Green is going to do what he's going to do. And they have put up with Draymond Green doing all sorts of things, whether it was going at KD, whether it was all the incidents in 2016, whether it's going at Steve Kerr in the locker room in a game in Oklahoma City, right? This is not the first time Draymond Green has done something that for normal people, you look at it and go, what the hell is going on here, right? So they clearly looked at it, said, hey, we're going to try to get into this season. We're going to move forward. We're trying to win another championship. You know, we're trying to get Jordan Poole extended. We're dealing with Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green. I'll have a contract potentially up next summer. All this stuff going on. They try to move forward. The video comes out. Now Jordan Poole's family sees it. Now the world sees it. Everybody sees Draymond, you know, punching his teammate in the face. That obviously becomes a situation where they have to then manage all that stuff and manage all the relationships there you have to deal with all the public fallout of them as you pointed out seemingly minimizing the fact that Draymond Green punched his teammate in the face whatever the reasons leading up to it but ultimately to me this just is an example once again of the Warriors looking at Draymond Green and deciding it's more worthwhile for them to have him around and deal with the baggage of everything that comes with him being around than to just get rid of him Because if they didn't think he was necessary to them winning anymore, they would get rid of him. And I would say the reason this is the biggest crisis is this is probably the first time they really sat down and discussed, is it worth having this guy around anymore? And ultimately, with the fact that they're not suspending him, they decided that it is. Right. For this season, at least. Right. You know, and I and I hear people complaining about, oh, you know, this isn't fair. You know, how how are you going to suspend him for a game? Uh, for getting in an argument with KD, but, you know, not for this and that, you know, Bobby Portis got eight games, blah, 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 blah. It's not the Warriors' responsibility to be, quote, unquote, fair. It's it's not, you know, this isn't like a high school program where you have to, you know, set a precedent. We, you know, we hold our men to a certain, you know, our young men to a certain standard. We're trying to develop character. No, they're, they're trying to win a like man learned all about that in uh... – in boarding school up in, well, up in I, I did get I, well before that I got kicked out of a program <laughs> uh both a football and a basketball program in Texas before I got shipped <laughs> off to boarding school so I do have some experience with this uh I was not as important to either of those programs did, did either of those coaches say this is the biggest crisis we've faced <laughs> uh, Mr. And Mrs. <laughs> no they did not no not a lot they... of debate about whether they needed to keep McMahon around it's like yeah we don't need uh, to deal with this guy like We're I said I had a lot else. of similarities to Draymond but uh but impact on the floor was not necessarily one of them (laughs) well this gets down to yeah go ahead go ahead i mean it it really does get down to this their mission is to win a championship draymond is critically important to that this season and so they're trying to manage it and clean it up and obviously jordan pool is important but like you know discipline and fairness all that stuff is not relevant to what they are in the business of doing. And that is defending their fourth championship, four championships they probably don't have without Draymond Green. So you guys know me. I'm all about uh, actions over words. And become our, it's become our motto for the pod this summer. It's come you. up a lot. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your kind, kind acknowledgement. Um, oh, you guys the, are sweet. The, the Warriors' actions are they're not suspending it. I don't care what their words are. They're not suspending him and they're not suspending him probably because they, they don't want him to miss ring night. And it's more important for them 
for him, for them to have him out there on ring night than it is to send some sort of um, platitude uh, that they are really that worried about it. So while I admire Steve Kerr and I am not in the building and in the locker room. And so I have to take what he says, um, you know, to, to, to more heart. I don't want to be dismissive. I just find it hard to believe that that statement is true. Um, and when, when, you know, in the NBA, the, 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 the which statement, that this is the this biggest is the crisis. Biggest crisis. Yeah. I just, I find it hard to believe. I, I, I think that they are presenting that front because they know that they can't be flippant about, well, this just happens because of the video. Um, well, to play, to play devil's advocate for a second, like, let's just game this out in another way. Let's say Jordan Poole goes into Bob Meyer's office last week. And this, mm-hmm. uh, to be clear, this is all just a hypothetical. I'm not saying this happened in any way and says, I'm not getting on the court again with Draymond Green. I don't want this guy around or get me out of here if he's going to be yeah. around. Like there are a lot of ways this could have gone beyond everybody's going to be on the court on Tuesday. So I do like, I agree with you in the sense that I it's, this is all a bit of theater and the Warriors are clearly doing this to McMahon's point to make sure that they have Draymond green on board. Cause that's the best path they see to winning a mm-hmm. title. But I, you know, I think I could see this being a situation where this could have gone very sideways, very fast if it wasn't managed in a certain way. Yeah, I, I'll say this: actions over words. I agree with that, but I am, I am curious to once Jordan Poole finally talks to hear what he has to say about the whole situation. We've seen his actions; like, you know, he, he looks like a dude who's going to be worth every penny of this fat contract extension he's about to sign. I mean, what he had fifteen straight points preseason, all that, but fifteen straight points has looked spectacular. You know the. Uh, coming back after he got punched in the face and finishing the practice, you know, doing his, his post-practice stuff, all that. Great. He hadn't said anything publicly. And I am curious to hear once he finally does, you know, how, how he's well, going to approach he's that. In, he's in the middle of like trying to secure generational wealth for his family. So mm-hmm. I can also see why he's trying to keep a low profile. He may not, even if this hadn't happened, he may not be giving interviews between now and next week. Well, by the way, if we're looking at this crassly, he he's certainly in even stronger negotiate position than he already was after this. Let I me mean, ask you this. Also, why? The- Many people have said that, but why would the Warriors have to give him more money because Draymond punched him? Not necessarily I, more money, but boy, like a, a, a hypersensitive situation that if Jordan Poole wanted to uh, really – inflame or blow up <laughs> you could argue he'd be well within his rights you know that hurt that's i would say it's well. harder i would say it's harder to go to the mattresses in a negotiation with him right now i i just well, I think do. if you're looking at it logically i don't think you're not it's going to be hard for them to fight for every penny on it i do think that if he doesn't extend that there could be some lingering issues there but i think that would have been true either way you know, on, on the flip side, you know, people talk about, well, you know, Draymond pay, I, mean, I assume the fine's probably the max they could. I think it's 50 grand. Um, and okay, that's it. There's no suspension. Draymond really hurt his leverage in terms of whether it's future uh, extension discussions, whether or more so, I think this hurts his, uh, his value in the, in the open market. Like this well, let me is, ask I, you about this. So, so Draymond is not gonna. He has said that he is probably not going to 
do a contract extension. Um, he was on the record with that, I believe, on media mm-hmm. day, or at least he's not going to week. get a contract extension. I That's think correct. is the way he he's said not going it, to right? receive Just one. To, but I don't want to, yeah. you know, assume anything on either side. He has a twenty-seven and change million dollar mm-hmm. player option for next season. So after this year, he can opt into that, or he can opt out of it and become unrestricted. Um, and the concept being the reason that you want to extend him is so that he doesn't rest- reach unrestricted free agency. That's the concept of extending any of these guys who are eligible. Do you think it's a legitimate concern for the Warriors that he's not picking up $27 million, That he's opting out and going somewhere and getting you know, multiple years in that range? Is that something for the Warriors to seriously be calculating as a risk? Is he leaving? Is he getting... $27 million on the open market next year as a guy who, yes, is incredibly valuable defensively and, um, and has shown the ability to be a, a championship level player, but also a guy who is, can't do much in terms of um, shooting, you know, he's very much, you know, he's, he creates shots, but he's not mm-hmm. a shooter at all. I mean, and by the way, I've asked some agents this week and some executives what their opinion is on this. And I'll wait, but I want to hear your guys' opinion on it. Well, and he's also, he'll be 33 years old. You know, a guy, uh, like you said, a unique offensive player, but obviously very limited, um, entering his mid-30s with, you know, there's always been kind of, you know, there's the good and bad of Draymond's, uh, the, you know, the, the chip on the shoulder, the, the, you know, the attitude, whatever you want to call it. I don't know where that I don't know where that big offer is coming from. I really don't. In 2016, Joakim Noah played 29 games for the Bulls. That summer, he signed a four-year, $72 million contract with the Knicks. What else happened that summer? There was the biggest cap spike in NBA history. Yes. I mean, that happened too. But also, if you if you just look what's coming this summer. There's a lot of teams with a lot of money this summer, Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, Orlando. You go down the list. We're going to be back in a market where there's a lot of money on the table for teams to spend. And I could see somebody throwing money at Draymond to have them on their team. Now to your point, I think the question is if you're Draymond, do you opt into 27 million and say, Hey, I'm going to take this 27 million or do you opt out? and try to get three for 60 or, you know, whatever, three for mm-hmm. 70 or some, some deal like that. And I think a lot of that is going to depend on what happens over the next six months. If he looks, if he's the guy that for large stretches of the playoffs was a problem for golden state. And there was talk about whether they should be playing him in games against Memphis, against Dallas at times, against Boston at times. I don't know what the market will be. If he comes back and, is healthy all year and doesn't have these nerve issues again and looks like a defensive player of the year candidate, which he was the first two months last year, mm-hmm. maybe he does get a ton of money. So I, I don't think to me, I don't think anybody's looking at this situation and saying, Oh man, Draymond green is a loose cannon. I don't know if we want him around. Like this is not the first time he's done something to me. It's going to be a question of what does he look like on the court this year? Mm-hmm. And then as alter, you know, as a result of that, how much does golden state decide they need him around? And how much does some other team decide they want to have? That's so the, when I talked to folks this week, just sort of an informal asking around what I heard, you know, various forms of there's going to be some teams who are like, no, absolutely not for ABCDE. 
but there's going to be a team or two that absolutely will decide that he wants to be there and that there will absolutely be interest in him, you know, assuming health. Um, you know, this gets into uh, what I sort of term the, the you know, the, the juice being worth the squeeze, um, you know, situation in the NBA. For many players over the course of time, they are problem players. Let me just bring up a classic case of this. Jimmy Butler. We all saw in front of us last, last season, Jimmy Butler get into it with Eric Spolstra, screaming at him on the bench. Spolstra. And you Haslam. Yeah, well, firing his, uh, his, uh, his clipboard up in the air and, and screaming <laughs> at him. I always knew you were crazy, right? Um, with some F-bombs. And the two of them getting into it. Obviously, that wasn't the first time Spolster and Jimmy uh, got sort of got into it, either last season or before. And I am sure that there have been times that the Heat organization has been exasperated mm -hmm. with Jimmy Butler. But then I recall the Eastern, I don't even, you know, there's obviously more examples than this, but let's just go back to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. 41 points in game one, mm -hmm. 47 points on a bad knee nine rebounds, eight assists, four steals in a flat-out iconic performance mm -hmm. in game six to get that thing uh, back to Miami. He scores 35 in game seven and has a three-pointer in the air with 15 seconds left that might have been the biggest shot in Miami since Ray Allen had that gone down. And, yeah, Jimmy Butler during the regular season gets disinterested. He likes to create conflict. He is injury-prone. But my God, the juice that comes out of the squeeze at the end is pretty damn oh, sweet. Absolutely. And so for a long time, as you've been saying, Bontemps, the juice on Draymond is worth the squeeze. Not only his antics in, you know, that he has, but that he goes on, you know, he finishes a game and runs out and does TNT. You know, he's and he's doing, an and he's doing and his podcast. I'm sure they're not real thrilled that he's going over, you know, that was a bit of a thing last year, whether he had revealed any strategy in his podcast yeah. during the middle of the final, um, the juice is worth the squeeze. And I think what Steve Kerr, I, what I will take away from those comments, this is our biggest crisis is if there's one thing I'll say is that the answer was always yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was, Yes, it's worth the squeeze. And now I don't know if everybody is saying yes. You know, you well, call it the juice being worth the squeeze. I, I call it the pain in the ass to production ratio. When, when the production doesn't justify the pain in the ass, then you've really got a problem. Draymond's career, his production is always justified whatever pain in the ass that came along with him. Well, and if and you look, it still, still does ultimately, right? Well, yeah. Well, if you look like, obviously this happens a lot with wide receivers in the NFL, that's kind of the, the prime example of it, but you go down through time, you know, we've seen it with plenty of guys in the NBA, like, you know, there's plenty of guys who, when they're playing at the peak of their powers, you deal with a lot of stuff. And the second they're not really worth it anymore. You're throwing them out the door. Cause you don't want to deal with it. And to me, the, the crisis part about golden state. And the interesting thing about this was that, this felt like the first time the Warriors might actually choose. You know what? We might not actually need this guy. And ultimately, they decided but, they did. You know, so it didn't matter. But see, is the thing. they did really fast. <laughs> Bob Myers, you know, had they decided already mm -hmm. that they that it was, and then all of a sudden, I don't want to go backwards. 
Uh, and right. then maybe, um, you know, it's a, it's another decision maybe next summer. And that might not only be about Draymond's production. It might be about the production of a guy like Jonathan Kaminga or, you know, even, yeah. even Wiseman, James Wiseman, you know, some of those or young guys, like, Hey, can we like fill some if, of this production? If Wiggins is great again this year. And they're like, look, we're going to give the bag to Wiggins mm-hmm. and move well, on. That That's, I think the final thing we should say is that Golden State appears to be reaching their limit on what they can spend. And it does not seem like this whole group, whether, you know, including Wiseman with a big player, you know, with a big option, which I'm sure they'll pick up for next year, at least initially. But mm-hmm. between him, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, it's hard to believe all those guys are going to be on this team again next year. Now, maybe the tax rules change. Maybe they get a lot of relief that way and they can make it work. But if they're all looking for increases in pay or even the same amount of pay from where they're at, there's going to be decisions that have to be made. And that's where, you know, for the first time, we might actually see them have to start subtracting from this group. And that's, you know, to McMahon's point, next summer is really going to be a, a pinch point for them on that. And everyone knows it. It's time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand. Discover new customers and build the relationships that create those diehard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow winning business. From an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. Shopify is the secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, I want to talk to one of our other favorite subjects, um, the Lakers. The Lakers are one and four in the preseason. Obviously, that doesn't matter that much. There's been guys in and out of the lineup. But um, Anthony Davis has looked really good coming off of those um, injuries that he had last season, really those back-to-back injuries. Um, he's looked great. You can tell that he did, um, dedicate himself in the, in the, um, in the off season, the Lakers went out and signed a couple of, um, you know, I don't know if they're starters, you know, (laughs) I mean, they, they, they signed, they signed a couple of centers that made it see, you know, Thomas Bryant is a starting NBA center and, you know, 
made it seem like, okay, he Anthony Davis was going to start at the four. They signed Damian Jones behind Damian Jones. Damian Jones has taken some pretty decent steps the last couple of years. Like those two guys are both interesting young guys. Take flyers. Yeah. So the Lakers signed those two guys and you know, Anthony Davis comes to camp thinking he's going to be the power forward. Um, You know, if you've listened to me at all on this podcast or I've said it on TV, I think the Lakers strategy of building a team that doesn't have good three point shooting is an error. Um, It may be a stopgap until they can find a Westbrook trade, but you know, Speaking signing guys as to production ratio. <laughs> that is a classic example right there. Of course, his production has also gone way down. Um, and the, the other, the other side of that equation has not. <laughs> right. So, um, but earlier, I don't, oh, last weekend, over the weekend, Darvin Ham in, in response to a question, because by the way, the Lakers have looked good when they've had basically one big on the court. And um, mm-hmm. LeBron has played essentially four. Um, sometimes he's technically the ball handler, but you know he's been the four, and Anthony Davis has been the five. Or the one game LeBron looked great when Anthony Davis missed a he had a back issue and he missed a preseason game. And one of the reasons that is is because the Lakers have problems generating space with the team that they have, and so AD at the five generates space. LeBron at the four generates space. Um, and so Darvin Ham was like, yeah, uh, you know, he was asked about it. He was like, yeah, this is uh, putting, putting Anthony Davis at the, at the five is under serious consideration. It might be something we have to seriously look at doing. Would you and like me to read what Anthony Davis had to say about that? I will read it. Um, there you go. I trust coach's decision. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's heard AD wants to play the four. So he knows where I stand. But at the end of the day, I want to win. So if it's me, if that's me playing the five, that's what it's got to be. Let me just say that third person in the preseason, hmm. never good. Never good. Is that, is that a general rule? The pre- that's general rule. Especially never when the third person wants something that ain't happening. Yeah. Multiple people sent me that quote in the last, uh, from our buddy David Benjamin's Twitter account, sent me that tweet and said, this seems like, this seems like a problem. And I was like, well, here we go. Oh, by the way, that was against the, that was after the game against the, the Wolves uh, on Wednesday night. Um, you know, whatever the wolves won the game, the wolves basically, oh, by the way, are undefeated in the preseason. There was an all caps um, tweet about four wins in a row in the preseason from the uh, wolves Twitter account. It's almost like the wolves are excited about their team. It might be a banner soon. Banner <laughs> the arena, baby. Well, they're, they're going to raise the banner for winning the play in right. Uh, from last year. Uh, I mean, Anthony Davis when, was pretty whenever awesome. the Lakers are there. So Pat Bev can be part of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, man. I had a P- we're going to talk about the Wolves a little bit later. Um, they love Pat Bev in Minnesota. Uh, AD, by the way, last night was 7 of 11 with 13 rebounds. Um, he's playing pretty good. LeBron was also really good in that game, and they lost. I think that's going to happen a lot this year. What, what, what were um, Russ's numbers? <laughs> e. Russ did not shoot the ball as well uh, last night in that game. He, let's see. I know he didn't make a three. He played 25 minutes, took three shots, 0 of 2 on three, five points, three rebounds, four assists. Beverly played more minutes, and there was a moment where Beverly came in for him where or he came in for Beverly and Russ didn't look thrilled. But uh, well, there was also a moment where Pat Bev is gathering the troops and you know, that's Ron's right there, but else is right there. And yeah, and, and I mean, Russ, like we're having trying to chit-chat over here, buddy. And you know, just come on. No, take about four more steps over this way. Those steps never <laughs> well, happen. I don't want to overreact to that, but uh, anyway, like um, I will. I, this is 
Anthony Davis does not want to play center. The Lakers are better when Anthony Davis plays center. This has been the case for years. They have not addressed it. The steps that they have taken have not alleviated the problem. In fact, I mean, the roster moves. In fact, in my view, they have exasperated the problem. And we've already got some prickly stuff happening in freaking October. Bontemps, I, I, this is, I mean, what are we supposed to say about this? I mean, the Lakers are, are going to be a mess. I mean, I, we've talked about it a ton, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know what else is there to say. Like, I mean, they're, they're, if those two guys are healthy, they'll probably be okay. And they'll be somewhere in the play mix. And if everything breaks, right. Some other teams have issues. Maybe they can somehow squeak into the six seed, but you know, they're going to be somewhere from seven to 10, probably in the West. And that's what they're going to be like and, barring some, barring some trade that hasn't happened. That's what mm-hmm. they're going to be. And an, an argument can be made that AD playing the five on a full or, or most time basis does reduce his odds of staying healthy. I don't know the science behind all that, but an argument can at least be made. Hey, he's playing the five. He's going to have to be banging more. That's tougher on the body. Oh, I mean, he's not saying it because he's being selfish. I think he's saying it for, you know, for a reason. I mean, like he's not, it's, there's structural reasons why it doesn't make sense. And look, Thomas Bryant is a guy who in limited shooting when he was with the wizards actually showed you know, he had a terrible injury that knocked him out for a year, but he has shown a little bit of um, ability to stretch the floor. But, you know, you, you, I just don't know if you can count on it. And, mm-hmm. and they just, they just look so much better when they can, when they can put an extra shooter out there. Um, that's right. why that, Trivia that's time. why, I mean, they're still not going to be good enough, but that's why that Pacers trade, if it ever happened, would be interesting. Cause you'd have a center who could space the floor. You'd add one of the best shooters in the league. You throw those guys out there with Patrick Beverly. Like that's at yes, least a yes. functional lineup. Yes. Floor spacing. Yes. It's the first time we've ever heard that that was a good idea for LeBron. Okay. Uh, <laughs> trivia time. Bond temps. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now it's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. So this uh, this question comes from a uh, avid listener of the pod who remain unnamed, uh, who called me yesterday and, and talked to me about it. Um, and so the wake an of avid our... listener who has your phone number. So this isn't, this isn't just someone on Twitter who sent not, you a message. Not a person. What, not a, what not team a does it work for? <laughs> not a, it does not, not a work for ESPN. Okay, that's he's right. not random. He's not. That's um, it. It's not a random. That's well put. Okay. It's not a random person. 
Uh, Not a random but they, person. they called me in the wake of our conversation about Victor and Scoot last week and um, had mm-hmm. an interesting trivia question, which I've tweaked a little bit, which I'll explain in a second. So since uh, 1960, when Oscar Robertson and Jerry West were the top two picks, there have been two drafts where the top two picks were the highest two players in win shares over the course of their career. Uh, win shares. I mean, you're well, it's basically this who guys obviously players. very smart. The top two players are no, no, the no, no, two no. best, two best players in the draft. It's, it's the two best players in the draft. I had to, I, okay. I'm explaining why I you dorked it, it up bit. a little bit. Yeah. I had to tweak it a little bit for reasons I'll explain in a second. But it ended up being the two best players. So there's, there's only on the been yeah. two. There's only been two. Hmm. Only two hmm. drafts. Um, that's a, there's a really... See LeBron and Darko. <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm I'm. Well, are the, the number drafts, two are they underwhelming drafts? Well, the number two picks are the ones that are sometimes shaky. There's a lot of variance. Yeah, the there's they're the or the number one when it's you know Greg Oden. Yes, but there's yes. the yeah. You're thinking Darko. You're thinking Sam Bowie. <laughs> you, you're thinking yes. a lot of. Uh, Boy, this is a tough one. It's a tough question. I mean, 1960 is a long time ago, friends. All right, I'm going to halfway cheat because we'll sit here twiddling no, our thumbs. Yeah, forever. you can you can halfway cheat. So I'm, gonna, is it, I'm, one is, I'm going one on is, I'm going on Basketball Reference and I'm just scrolling the draft general draft pick so I can just see like the number one picks. Yep. Um, I'll get one of them is in the 60s and one of them is in the 90s. Okay, the sixties. I've got. I mean, the sixties no one is the sixties one is two Hall of Famers. So, all right, the sixties. You say two Hall of Famers in the sixties. Hmm. Yeah. When was Jerry West taken? I said it's since Jerry. It's not. I that was how I opened oh. it. It wasn't. Oh, it was, Jerry West and Oscar, Oscar Robertson. Oh, that's were right. Not the. Sorry. We're I was looking at it. Miss- it ain't Kareem and Neil Walk. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Now I'm really cheating. Yes. Uh, okay. Elvin Hayes. That's and, it. Elvin and, Hayes and Wes on Okay. I got I mean, one. My God, I'm, I would I'm be totally here for six months. Che- totally cheating well, here. That's and fine. In the, right, 90s, the 90s, I'm going to look. I'm going to. It's it's not the AAI draft because Kobe was in that. No, nope, it's not, so not that look. one. It sure as hell ain't the Ola Wakandi draft. No, nope, it's not that one. <laughs> uh, when did, did Big Country went third, right? I don't think. Wait, is it, is it the Weber Shack draft? I'm sorry, the Weber Penny draft? It is not that one. It would have been if Penny would have. It's also not healthy. The reason I had to tweak this a little bit is it's not Alonzo and Shaq, which Dang, it should that's have been. Got to go because PJ PJ Brown had one tenth of a a point higher. Okay, than you just uh, the the whole win share. Well, I was trying. Wait, to, wait, you wait really minute, damaged wait, the credibility wait, wait of win shares wait here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you just say that PJ Brown, great guy, that's insane, had, had more win higher shares, win shares he did. than he did. Alonzo Mourning? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Insanity. I mean, I That's... can't even come. Okay. The reason, the reason I changed it, the, when this person called me, they all, they had, they had given me the Alonzo and Shaq draft, which by talent wise is the right one. And they also said 1981. You should have stuck, stuck with his trivia. Well, questions. I, it just was harder. Cause I just would have said, who are the two best players? And it was a little more complicated, but the point, the overall point is for. It ain't I, Glenn I, Robinson, I, J kid, is it? No, it's 1990 with Derek Coleman and Gary Payton. 
We had the point is for approximately 26 I, years. The point, the point of the trivia question was less for you to get it right, which I wouldn't have got this one right. It was hard. But it was more to lay out that over looking through over time. Like it obviously, no. And like Victor and Scoot both look like they're going to be awesome. And this guy's point was essentially we always talk mm-hmm. about how we start the draft starts with the third pick, the draft starts with the fourth pick, whatever. It's like we might need to think more about these picks just in general because it's very rare that you see the top two players be the two best players and sometimes it's because of injury sometimes because one of them's just bad but it is just interesting how over that length of time it basically never happens where the top two picks are the two best guys it's just something to think about as we go forward I have I'm 14 more gray PJ... hairs in my beard after that one. <laughs> I'm still thinking about PJ Brown having a better win share than Alonzo Mourning. Well, I was just trying to make it so it wasn't. Uh, we need, I was we trying need to Kevin... make it so. I'll I'm bet we'd have Kevin Pelton just... zoom in here to defend this. Well, hey, after, after Draymond punched Jordan Poole, Pelton's got uh, got the Warriors getting Scoot Henderson with the second overall pick. <laughs> dropped him a little bit further in his ranking. I was just trying to have it so it was some sort of uh, sort of Where did Pelton have thing. them ranked? Where did Pelton have in the West? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, to me. Based off a of, uh, injury, injury, uh, and age. Okay. Also, his cable went out during the playoffs last year. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody watch James Wiseman in the preseason? I was just trying to have it be something besides here are who I think the two best players are in in the drafts because that would have been a lot hard, a lot more uh, okay. random well, for me to answer. Well, I I the have point to know stands. who asked this question, and I trust this person's judgment. Yeah, <laughs> who those best players were. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, what's going on? Or what's going on, team? What's going on in Minnesota? Why? 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 Why would they do that? Very strange trade. Why would you do that? Minnesota. I had a story ah. that came out. Wendy's Wendy's got a fresh visit. He's got all the the, the we got, we got self promotion self promotion all over the place today. <laughs> I had a story that posted this week uh, about uh, about the very good story. Spent, should go should go read it if you haven't seen it yet. Very good. I story spent some the time up there during training camp. Um, you know, I'm a little bit thrice burned, fourth time shy on the Timberwolves over the years. I have gone up there. You know, I was kind of like, I flew in and I was like, I can't believe I'm back to do another Wolves are going to be good story because I've done this story several times. They've got Cap, they've got Wiggins, (laughs) they've got Levine. A couple years ago, I mean, and I would just say before I tell this story, I really like Ryan Saunders, but I had, you know, they got off to a really good start. Have I told this story in the pod before? I should stop telling it. But I I went up to, like, they got off like a really good start. They were like nine and four or something. And, you know, Ryan Saunders had taken over uh, as head coach and he was really young. He was the youngest coach in the league. And I went up there and like he was doing all these innovative things like um, he had a DJ during practice and the players could give their playlists and they would have a DJ during practice. And if the players weren't weren't getting it done or he wanted to say he could turn down the music on his uh, Apple watch. he, they were doing all these things that were like very sort of, you know, fresh and new. And I, the story was going to be the first millennial head coach um, that, uh, which is what Ryan Saunders essentially was. 
And I went up there and I spent some time and I remember talking to Andrew Wiggins and I'd, I'd been interviewing Andrew Wiggins since he was a rookie and he was, he's a nice guy, but he wasn't always great interview. Well, he gave me this incredible interview about Ryan Saunders, about how he and Ryan both had newborn babies and how it was incredible. He never thought that he would ever be able to compare notes on babies with his head coach and how the, he'd connected with his coach. Like he'd never connected with a coach before. And, you know, I talked to Carl and I only remember who was on the team back then. And I wrote this really good story and it was going to run like eight to 10 days later. And the Bulls went on like a 15 game losing streak. And, and then they traded Wendy's half the, the team. <laughs> they traded half the team at the trade deadline. And like half the guys I interviewed were not even on the team anymore. Um, so I go to Minnesota a little bit, you know, and then even before, you know, even before, I remember there was one year, Bon Temps, you and I were like, oh man, they're going to win 50 games this year. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the year Tibbs got there with Carl and, uh, and Andrew, and then they won 30 games. Well, yeah. and then they did so, win the next year with Jimmy and Jimmy saw enough in a very brief playoff appearance to basically decide he wanted to get the hell out of Dodge. That's right. That's right. And I went back up there to cover that story that night um, uh, where Jimmy played his first uh, home game after, uh, after his trade demand and Tibbs got booed louder than Jimmy did. Um, man. Anyway, so I sort of went up there and I was like, okay, here we go again. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm skeptical uh, that this Gobert trade is going to work. Uh, I recognize that they've got a lot of talent. I recognize that they're going to be good, but I'm skeptical that it's going to work when it matters because um, teams are just going to attack Carl Towns. Yeah, I was going to say, are you define, are you skeptical? Define, I was just going to ask, are you skeptical of it working in regular season games or in playoff games or both? No, I think they'll win. I think they're going to look. I'm skeptical that they built Jazz North. Okay, but here's my thing: define this trade working for the a Minnesota franchise that has won a playoff series one year out of their. Th- what, 33-year existence? Well, and also to Bingo. be clear, do you, do you mean Bingo. you're skeptical that they have recreated the Jazz or that they'll be as good as the Jazz? I'm skeptical that they've recreated the Jazz, the team that's going to be awesome in the regular season and be, be vulnerable in the playoffs. That's um, what you think they might have done? I think so. Not, but, yeah, I was just I was making sure I yes. understood what you were saying. That's jazz all. North. Jazz North. Right. Um, and... Uh, you know, the, the Wolves, after January 1st last year, the Wolves had the number one offense in the league. Um, Carl Towns and Anthony Edwards are shot-creating beasts. Mm-hmm. And Chris Finch is already proven that he is an excellent offensive tactician and strategist. Yeah. He puts Carl Towns, even when Carl's getting double-teamed, <clears throat> like they were – I mean, just remember that series with, with uh, Memphis. It was an incredible series to watch, yeah. those two teams going at it. Um, and so I was just very skeptical. Uh, and I don't even really care about – I mean, I care about the, what the price that they paid, but I'm more focused on whether it worked. And so I go up there, and I spent three, two, three days there. And I talked to their coaches. I talked to their executives. And, like – they explained to me why they think it's going to work. And Chris Finch is like a real big believer in it. And like Finch admits, like, is he saying they're going to win 65 games and cruise to the title? He's not saying that he's saying, I think this is going to make us a lot better. I think we were in seventh place last year and we didn't get out of the first round and this is going to make us better. And on that, I have to agree. And the other thing is 
they they looked at Steph. They were like, look, Carl Towns took four three-pointers a game last year. Maybe it was five if you want to round up, but it was four point something. Mm -hmm. The guy's like 43% three-point shooter. Impossible to guard. Three-point shooting champ. One of the best big men three-point shooters ever. He could only get up four. I was was, was waiting. I was waiting. McMahon, he was ready to jump out of the screen. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Jay Kidd Kidd mentioned that the, uh, uh, the other day, too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, you know, and they were like, "Look, he's only giving up four a game." Like, he was getting double teamed relentlessly at times. Like, there were guys we were playing that they weren't guarding. So, like, if he can get up like seven a game, or my God, occasionally get up ten or twelve a game, just think how much better that would be for us. You know, they talked about how they can stagger, where they can now have either Gobert or Carl on the court for all 48 minutes. They talked about how D'Angelo Russell, who's in the last year of his contract, how he, um, uh, he has never had a really great pick and roll partner that would work as well as Rudy good did. And I, so I think their plan is they're going to have, they're going to really try to keep Russell and Gobert together on the court. Yeah. And then they're going to have Ant and towns who were, as I said, shot creating beasts together. Yeah. And like they have Sasha and Gupta, who's like one of the analytics innovators in the NBA who ran all the numbers and found out, you know, all these different ways he thinks Gobert is going to help. And like, these guys are totally all in and they're smart guys. Chris Finch is a smart guy. Tim Connolly is a smart guy. Sasha and Gupta is a smart guy. Like they they did not do this like flippantly, like, oh, we can get Rudy Gobert. Cool. Let's get him. Like they really put in the time. And I mean, they're, it's, you know, look, it's not, their point is you, there's only so many chances you get a trading for a star player. We got a star player without giving up any of our stars. We felt like we had to do it. So Pat I am, would say, what do you mean you didn't give up any of your stars? You gave me up. What are you talking well, about? That's dude? the funny thing. When I talked to the players, when I talked to like, I wanted to talk to all the guys who I could, who were there the previous year. Those guys were stunned at the trade, man. Like one guy I talked to Jordan McLaughlin, who's their backup point guard. He's his, his fourth year with the team. And he's like, we were like, Oh man, we're going to run it back. Um, you know, Torian Prince was like, I, he was like the group chat was like really like what's going on um you know uh i think all of them loved pat bev i talked to Jaden mcdaniels like they all loved pat bev um but again the, the wolves were like hey seventh place was great we, we'd love yeah. to finish second <laughs> you know we'd love to finish third um and looks whatever you want to say about the jazz with rudy they two years ago they had the number one seed you know they've had they had a top five offense and a top five defense one year and by the way, the, the Wolves weren't even that bad defensively. I think they finished like 13th defensively last year. They just couldn't rebound when yep. it mattered. And um, they had trouble. And the, and the with 13 Carl. was the, the 13 was a very fortunate 13th. It was a there, you know, it was there was a lot of luck involved. They were one of the worst rim protecting teams in the league. Their biggest right. weaknesses were they were terrible at rim protection, they were terrible at rebounding. Gobert so obviously, <laughs> you know, he if you're trying to address those two needs. That's the dude to address them. And he you know, led the league I, in rebounding last year. Led the league in rebound. And obviously he's one of the great rim protectors in NBA history. Um, 
I do think it makes them better. I, I guess the question is, how much better does it need to make them to justify giving up all those picks that would be, you know, that you could use to build during Anthony Edwards' prime that isn't for several years? Um, you know, I, I think we all agree that if Anthony Edwards isn't their best player now, he will be soon. Um, certainly, I think I think he's the guy who's going to determine the ceiling of that team. And and you know, again, we've talked about the development of Jaden McDaniels. McDaniels is kind of their their fifth starter, but I, I think his development is going to be critical to determining how good they can be this year. Now, look, you said it before, McMahon. The Minnesota Timberwolves have made the playoffs twice without Kevin Garnett. They've won a playoff series once in one season in their entire history when they got mm-hmm. to the conference finals in 2004. Like, this is a team that generally has been an absolute dumpster fire. If they could be the Utah Jazz over the last six years for the next six years and win a playoff series in three years and be one of the top four seeds on a regular basis, I think they would sign up for that in a heartbeat. And it's part of what the motivation was clearly to make this trade is they want to build on this brief success they had last year and actually, you know, take a bunch of middling players to get, I mean, look, people like to bag on Rudy Gobert for various things. Most of them unfair. This guy has been consistently one of the 10 best regular season players in the NBA for the past five or six years. If you have him on your team, if you you're guaranteed, look, he is, you're guaranteed to have, he's a win shares guy. Look, you're guaranteed to have an he's elite no win, win shares. Win shares. He's like one of the three best. Well, listen, I, I said I said regular season for a reason because you can yeah. you look at what's happened in the playoffs, and while I think some of the criticisms of him have been unfair because Utah maximized their team to have a bunch of offense around him because of how good he is right. on defense, he still is a guy that is going to be limited in space. He's limited switching around on guys. We've seen in the playoffs that could potentially be. Something that's I, an issue when teams play I, small. I think his offensive limitations have been a, the bigger problem in the playoffs, and in the fact that like he, he's just he wasn't capable of guarding five guys at one time. Like if if right. you're playing five out, he can't get to his man in the corner and clean up. You know your terrible perimeter defense by the other four guys. That's right. And now, I think hey, how much is he going to have to clean up if he's if he's closing games or when he's closing games? with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Like there might be some of that too. That Jane is true. McDaniels might have to help out a lot with that. That is true. But with Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, I do think the baseline for Minnesota defensively is higher. And at least with Carl out there, at least they have two guys who can get a bunch of rebounds. And in theory that will help too. Cause part of Utah's issue is also they were playing so small that they have trouble on the board sometimes too, in those spots. So I think they've got a chance to be a big time regular season team. I think they're going to be a better version of the regular season of, of Utah, to your point, Brian. But I don't think any of us can sit here and say we know how it's going to look in the playoffs because we just haven't really seen a lineup like this, A, work in a long time, and B, really be tried. Like, you could argue the Celtics did something like this last year, but Al Horford and Robert Williams are way more mobile and able to do a lot more things. That Celtics team was way more versatile than this this Wolves team is going to be. They're going to have to do one thing and do it really well. And we'll see if it's good enough. Well, you just hit on something there interesting. I know we got to wrap up, but Robert Williams or Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. Robert Williams is almost the quintessential big modern big man to have in the postseason. 
because of the ground he can cover. He can play stretch players. Rudy, and Rudy also, Gobert playing on the Celtics would look pretty good too. I think. Well, <laughs> he'd be pretty I mean, good. But they, they, you'd be, it'd be pretty impossible to score on that team if you had him surrounded by Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and name your other player. I mean, that's. I mean, pretty, I think we can have an Al Horford or Carl Anthony Towns in the playoffs discussion. Yeah, I mean, not not talent. I'm saying which guy can you win playoff series? Well, with? Carl's postseason resume, while short, is checkered. Well, look, it's <laughs> I mean, this, a polite way to put it. I mean, listen, this trade to me, the thing that hasn't been talked about enough about this trade is to me, it's a it's a bet on Carl Towns as much as anything. It's like, uh, yes, of course, they're doing it to help Carl and they're doing it to free up Carl. It's a bet on Anthony Edwards. It's a bet on Anthony Edwards that Anthony Edwards is going to be like a superstar level player and that you go right. get a guy right now. It's it to I, me. Yeah, the Cavs, the Cavs trade for Donovan is a bet on Evan Mobley and the and the Wolves trade uh, is a bet on Anthony Edwards, although schematically you are correct. Yeah, you know, it I Carl Towns more. I agree with that. It's more to your point about what they think they can do with Carl offensively. Like you make this trade because you think Carl Towns could be one of the three best offensive players in the league. Cause obviously his defense is going to be an issue, but you're basically saying all the issues you have on defense were taken away. You've got to be right there with Steph and those kind of guys on offense for us to get where we want to go. Well, I'm not saying he's going to do defense, that. His defense is less of an issue if he's playing the four closing games than it is if, if he's playing the five. Well, I, I'll just take a, you know, I'll, I'll leave with this. When I was talking to Chris Finch, and it was the first time I'd ever really talked to him at length. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation I had with him. Um, also, he's an Ohio State football fan. He's, uh, he's got- I wonder you enjoyed weeks. it. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about how, you know, nobody covers Cade Stover. You know, he should be tight, you know, in tight end. Um, so- Our listenership just went off a cliff. <laughs> just turned it <laughs> so, off. You know, let's talk about, you know, CJ Stroud's uh, downfield passing ability. Um, the thing that he said, we were talking about. So when they were about ready to make the trade, um, Tim Connolly, the team president, who got a $40 million contract to be hired away from the Nuggets. Um, it's DeAndre Jordan money. <laughs> he, said, he said, look, if, if the other teams go smaller, you're going to stick with it. If we're going to make this trade, or is this something mm -hmm. that you're going to stick with? And what Finch said in the room, what he said to me was very, is both a philosophy and a vote of confidence in Carl Towns. He said, when you have Carl Towns, you do not play small. And what they are basically saying is um, they think that the weapon that Carl Towns is offensively is more of a you know, plus than what happens to him defensively as a minus. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they're, 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 they're putting the chips on. Yeah. And I do think they're going to be really good though. I do think they really are. Um, you know, I think they, between uh, now and I think between now and late April, they're going to be awesome. And it's super fun to watch. And like Philly, I'm genuinely don't know what it's going to look like after that, but I'm really curious to see. Yeah. Um, what's their, I don't even know what, what their over under is for when 48 and a half. I would hammer uh, the over on that person. Yeah, I'd take the over there. Yeah. Uh, assuming, you know, some level of health there. So um, a but little would bit you take the over on? Would you take the over on three and a half wins for them in the playoffs? That's the question. 
that's that's going to be to me matchup dependent. Have, yeah, yeah, I agree. West, matchup dependent. These, the playoffs. I can't. I mean, we haven't even started the season yet. But if, if these teams are healthy, I, I just think the playoffs got a chance to be unbelievable next year. There's there's well, a think- lot of good teams. During the season, like Bontemps, your schedule over the next week, like there's going to be so many great matchups during the season because these teams just tell everybody what what your schedule is for the first week of the season. So the first week of the season, I'm going to open up at Sixers Celtics in Boston on opening night uh, before Draymond gets to trot out after his spa days are over. And then uh, <laughs> I'm doing uh, Cavs Raptors in Toronto on Wednesday. Uh, two you can of the- get into Canada. I can. Um, two two very interesting teams. Obviously, curious to see where a they end up. A low key big game. A low key big game. Cavs Raptors. Out of the it, game. it will be very interesting. I hope then, Moby's uh, uh, ready to go. Moby's got a bum ankle. Yeah, hopefully. Um, like to see him at Scotty Barnes. Um, then Sixers Bucks on Thursday. Celtics Heat Eastern Conference Finals rematch on ESPN on Friday, and then mm-hmm. Heat Raptors twice over the weekend. They do one of the baseball series there, so. That's going to be the Eastern Conference on a nightly basis. There's going to be at least one of these games or two. Three of these games, games in Miami, you. there, McMahon. How about that for their first? How about that for an October road trip for the old Bontemps? It'd be a little better if it was in January, but it's it's, um, a, it's a tough life for them. I tell you what. But, that, but that's going to be the East on a daily basis. Honey, I got like got to go to South Beach. Yeah, these are just grinding me away. It's, it'll be tough. But there's six or seven really good teams, and every night, like there's a good chance at least two of them are playing. And I just, I, the West is the same way. Like big man, you're going to, to Mavs Suns opening night. Like there's Mavs there's... Suns. I got, I got Mavs Grizzlies next week. I am actually going to, cause it's an easy trip and I'm curious. I am going to pop up on Sunday to check out those fighting Timberwolves and, in, in OKC. I mean, South beach, Bricktown, you know, potato, <laughs> yeah, potato. like you got, and we haven't talked about teams like new Orleans and Brooklyn. And I mean, there's, there's just a lot of, I, I'm just really excited for the season. I think it's going to be really fun. I can just hear Bontemps' wife. Uh, you're still in Miami? Yeah, yeah. I'm here to see uh, the Raptors play the Heat. Wait a minute. Raptors, you were at the Raptors-Heat game yesterday. <laughs> oh, no, there's another one. What do you mean? There's, you mean there's and, and no, they're one? on FaceTime, and Bontemps <laughs> has that uh, little little hat that he wore on SportsCenter last year. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, the one that him and Fredell wore when they're we just, smoking we just saw We just saw Fredell the other day on his on a rare visit to New York, and I was asking they, him where his, where his Calle Ocho, uh, his Ocho-sized Calle Ocho that, hat was. That was where they let everybody at the table sit on regular-sized chairs, and then they gave Bontemps like a, a kitty chair. That's correct. It was, it was an interesting experience. Oh, and, man. All right. Banner. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We will talk to you um, next week. The season gets going. We're, we're soon to up the number of pods that we have uh, per week. And I'll let you know more about that. Any, thank you for listening to our sixth season and stick with us all year long. We'll talk to you soon. Adios amigos.